say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Keep the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the Grace Davis. He scores! He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, hey, welcome in on a Friday. Morgan of the weekend, Q's Duke tomorrow. Where are we at of the Q's Duke hype this year? Not quite the wild ride that it's been in some years, but there's still going to be more people there than have been anywhere else for our college basketball game yet this year. That's pretty good. Looking forward to that. It's a big game here for the Arch. You want to start thinking about the bubble of the bubble of the bubble? Is that one less bubble than I used earlier this week? I should write this down. Yeah, go win that game. Quad one, no. But go beat Duke on Big Boy ESPN, and then we'll talk. And more importantly than us, then others will talk. Because that, uh, regardless of right, wrong, or otherwise, beating Duke remains a noteworthy thing. So we'll see if the Orange can get that done tomorrow. Talk to a guy that has called many Q's games, many Duke games, and we'll talk to him maybe about that, but mostly about other stuff coming up in a half hour from now. No longer the voice of college basketball on ESPN, now the voice of the National Hockey League on ESPN. He is Sean McDonough, and he will join us coming up at 2.30 on the program uh, today. The Stadium Series hockey game is tomorrow. Yes, folks, we're talking NHL. The Stadium Series hockey game is tomorrow. It is the Carolina Panthers and the Washington Capitals. Unfortunately, no Alexander Ovechkin in that game uh, for the Capitals. Like, if you are a, a very, very casual hockey guy, as perhaps the person talking into the microphone is right now, that would be the name you'd know in that game. Uh, sadly, uh, Ovechkin's uh, father passed away uh, recently. He is, uh, to my knowledge, back in uh, Russia for all that uh, goes into that. So Ovechkin... Um, tending to that and will not be playing uh, tomorrow. But uh, we'll ask Sean, what, what's going on on that ice? What's going on in the hockey world? There's something also that we didn't, I forget if we mentioned it on the air or not, or just in a QSportsTalk.com, QSportsTalk.com, he said, break yesterday, that a uh, longtime baseball announcer that did many, many World Series, Tim McCarver, passed away yesterday. And as relates to Sean, uh, Sean McDonough, at the time, he was the youngest ever to call the World Series, and he did it twice for CBS in the early 90s, the uh, 92 and 93 World Series. I guess uh, McDonough was on top of being the voice of the Red Sox, was the voice of the Blue Jays. Um, but Tim McCarver was his color analyst. So we can ask uh, Sean about that as well. Maybe a little Syracuse, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to keep it with hockey with Sean. We've never done that before. I don't know quite how that's going to go. He'll know more than I. But... That's good. The guest is supposed to know more than the host about the topics. That's the whole the whole point of it. Uh, Mario Sacco joins us coming up at 3. Six-pack Friday. Yes, sir. Chat a little hoops, a little lax. Get into the lax game in the Dome today. Starts at 3. The women, top four matchup, Maryland and Cuse. Looking forward to that. Had Alyssa Murray on yesterday. You'll be watching her on mute until halftime. Sorry, Alyssa. Mute until halftime on ACC Network Extra because they start at 3. How you control your volume after that is up to you. 
Uh, those are the guests on the show today. The man who sort of knows will sort of know some stuff toward the end of the hour today. Football's over, people. Six-pack, man who sort of knows. Football is out. This show started back in September. Football. We had lots of football. It's part of why we do this thing on Friday. Now we're just winging it. We're just winging it. Oh, my, oh, my, though. The things you can waste your money on in 2023. Paulie's buying boxes of cards on the previous show. We're telling you to bet on weird stuff. You want lines on uh, cards with four wheels? We got that. You want college lacrosse? We got that. College hockey? We got that. College baseball? Maybe today? That'd be a new debut. Do we have that? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Dunk contest? Three-point contest? Yeah, you can bet on literally anything that exists on Earth on your phone right now. And I know people that have thoughts on it. And we're going to tell you their thoughts later on in the show today. Uh, but besides that, we'll be getting you ready for the Cuse and the Duke in the Dome tomorrow. I'll hear from you as well at 315-437-7644 for ESPN 44. I have a little bit of the Hall of Famer Jim Beheim from his program last night. Many things were said. Perhaps we shall play some of that back to you later on. But let's start on this game tomorrow. What do we got here? Like, my goodness, think of, think of some of the previous... Meetings. It's almost always been a Saturday, not exclusively, but this has almost always been a Saturday. And when Duke comes to Syracuse, and the way the schedule has broken down over the years, the way it's done is, you know, besides the teams you're guaranteed to play twice every year, and, you know, the Orange do that with Pitt and BC, and as it rotates about. Like, Duke is a team that Syracuse plays three times, pardon me, four times every three years. Four times every three years. That means they come to the Dome two times every three years. So not every year, but they're in the Dome two times every three years. And when Duke has come to the Dome, that generally has been the largest crowd of the year. The only year it was not the largest crowd of the year uh, was a few years back. It happened to be a Wednesday night game and uh, one of the other Saturday uh, games uh, that year when a lot of stuff was going on was the largest crowd of the year. So Duke on Saturday, when Duke has been on Saturday, it is the largest on-campus crowd in college basketball that year. That is true. Whenever Duke has been here on a Saturday, it is the most attended on-campus game. Basically, it's the most attended regular season game. That's the easiest way to say it. Yeah, you know, Final Four and all that once you're, you're playing in something crazy. But talking about, you know, regular season games, on-campus, Duke, Saturday, Syracuse gets the most. And that's going to be the case again tomorrow. I don't know what the final number is going to be. They got tickets on sale. That I don't recall that happening before for the Duke game. Got some code uh, through the email yesterday about 20% off. I believe that's basically heading up till till game time. So they'll try to pack them in, see what they get. Will it be 30? I don't know. I haven't heard any uh, up-to-the-datest numbers of if it'll be 30 or not. A lot of the other games obviously have cruised over 30. This game has repeatedly not just been the most attended game of the year, but has broken Syracuse's record uh, several times with a record being a Duke game, and before that, a Duke game, and it's happened multiple times. So we know it's a big deal. Now, a lot of the other years, Duke has been, for lack of a better word, Duke. Number one, number two, top five. Like when Duke shows up, usually it's with a, a tiny little number next to their name. Not the case this year. Now, they don't stink. They're good. Duke's a tournament team. Duke's a talented team. Coming into this season, when you look at the preseason ranking of freshmen, 
Duke had the top four freshmen incoming in the league. J.J. Starling was fifth, I think, and I believe Judah was sixth, if I'm remembering right. But Duke, Duke had the top four coming in. Now, it's worked out kind of in verse order. The guy fourth on that list was Kyle Filipowski, and he's turned out at least this year to be best of the group. Syracuse was uh, hot and heavy after him at some point. So it's not quite Duke. Like, I, I realized the year Zion was at Duke. He didn't actually play in the Dome. It was shortly after uh, blown out sneaker gate in the game where it seemed like, you know, half the Western Hemisphere was at or like anybody that's ever been famous somehow showed up at Cameron that day. Hey, there's Obama. Oh, my shoe. And that was of great disappointment because we think of this, I know Axe talks about this a lot, of how Duke is not a rivalry game. And while that may be true, it is an event. Duke is an event game here. I was disappointed when Zion didn't play in that game. Like, come all this way and don't get to see the dude? Man, I wanted to see this guy. That stinks. I feel it's the only time I've ever been disappointed at a Syracuse game that the other team's best player did not play. Usually it's like, well, I hope he's not hurt too bad, but that'll work out well. Their best player's not playing. That's good news for Syracuse. With Duke, it was Zion's not playing. What? Give me my money back. I hadn't even bought tickets. I wanted my money back. I want to see that guy. That's not really what this year's Duke is. It's still Cuse and Duke, but it doesn't have the event thing. It's not like the first game where it's like, wow, First time it's ever been here. On-campus record attendance, this whole thing. 2017 still had a lot of pomping about it. It was a struggling Syracuse team, but that was the John Gillen shot. Like, do I need to say more than that for you to understand what happened in that game? Half-court shot. Walk over and mean mug the scorer's table. It was the best collection of knocked-over chairs I've ever seen. Like, the Syracuse bench was in shambles. But, like, this game in this series has produced those moments because it is an event. It is interesting. And this year, while it's not a lot of those years, it was, wow, can Syracuse upset Duke? This year, I get it. Duke's ranked higher than Syracuse. They're probably more talented when you look at rankings and all that stuff. But this is a fair fight. This was a straight-up basketball game that there is no reason Syracuse can't win. Yeah, Duke's got size. They got the whole thing. I get it. You know what Duke also has? They've gone on the road eight times this year, and they have stunk almost all of them. Stunk out loud. Terrible. Awful road team. They're 2-6 and six on the road. Now, Duke's numbers are still fine. They're still a tournament team. But, you know, thinking back to that 2017 team, the Orange punched up. They beat good teams, and they beat them in the Dome for the most part. The Orange did not have good road wins that year. Kept them out of the tournament. Duke has, they don't have any road wins of note. Now, that said, they should have beaten Virginia at Virginia last Saturday and got robbed. No one shall cry for Duke. Don't cry for Duke. Never cry for Duke. They've gotten enough calls to last a lifetime. But yeah, they got one literally taken away from them last week. But this is a very interesting game because Duke, well, they're not Duke. Look at the roster. Look at the rankings of the players. It's not one, two, three, like it was with Zion, Barrett, and Reddish that year, but this is, what are they? It's three top, I mean, four top 30 recruits as freshmen. Jeremy Roach was highly valued a few years ago. He's still there. 
These are all highly valued recruits. And it's not just, yeah, if you get recruited by Duke, you do get a little bump in the rankings. It's like if you get recruited by Notre Dame in football, your number goes up. But at the same time, look who else was after these players. It's not, it's not random. It's not random. Like, these are good players. These are good players. But can they come into the Dome in front of the largest crowd all those people will have ever played in front of in their life? None of them have ever dealt with this before. Can they come in and deal with that on Saturday? Against the Syracuse team, and we've talked so much about everything going on, like extraneous of Syracuse this year. Like, what's Jim Beheim saying? Do we hate Joe Girard? Why is Judah Mintz alive? Why is he playing in the last five minutes of games? Let's go. Now we've kind of forgotten about the actual basketball. The basketball has been good here for at minimum a couple weeks. And I, I think reasonably longer than that. Like, there's no reason that if Syracuse... You know, plays the way they did for, what, the last 30 minutes against NC State the other night? Like, if you go do that, what you did on the road, or did in the Dome against NC State on Tuesday, if you do the same thing against Duke, I think you win that game. I don't think Syracuse needs an out-of-body experience or anything like that on Saturday. If you play like that, you can win this game. Play like that, win this game. It's not that hard. Like, they don't have to do something crazy to win this game. Some of these other years, you're like, who? Like, even that Zion team without Zion, it's like, whoa, boy, look at look at this situation here. That R.J. Barrett fellow is pretty good, huh? He is pretty good. forget what he had in that game, but it was a lot. Some of these other years, like last year, it's like Paolo Boncaro, huh? Oh, look at him. Number one pick in the draft, eh? Huh. Like, they don't have the number one pick in the draft this year. <laughs> whoa is Duke. Whoa is Duke. But it'll be a, it'll be interesting on Saturday because I don't there's no reason Syracuse can't win this game. No, it's not a guarantee you're going to win it, but I think this is as fair of a fight as you can find. You're going down the stretch here. We know the Orange are not in position to make the tournament as of now, but man, if you've got wins like NC State, who's a good team, a really good team, if you get a win like Duke, then if you can go to Clemson or Pitt next week and get one, I mean you get both of those, but if you can go get one of those. Like, you're putting together a resume at that point that certainly has its flaws because Colgate and Bryant still happen. It certainly has its flaws because you didn't win in Carolina, Virginia, Miami. Those were not wins. has its flaws. But, man, you're putting together a real interesting collection of stuff if you start <laughs> compiling some of these wins uh, late. Again, I don't, I don't think there's any reason the Arch can't win this game on Saturday. Looking forward to it for sure. We'll take a break now here as we're just off and running on the 315 on this Friday. We will talk NHL coming up at 2.30 with Sean McDonough. Interesting. We have not talked NHL here in a minute. When we do, we go straight to the top. We'll talk to Sean at 2.30. We'll get into our picks with the man who sort of knows and Mario coming up toward the end of this hour and the beginning of next. We'll hear a little bit from Jim Beheim though, and what he said last night on his various shows. We'll do that when we come back right after this. It is QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. Here we are. Always good to be joined by Sean McDonough, regardless of the reason. Talking hockey, and, you know, it just happened to work out. Like, we, and Sean was, we, you know, you arrange these things in advance and whatever, and 
uh, Tim McCarver's uh, passing away. The news of that came out yesterday. Sean was already coming on, so just by happenstance. But uh, great to talk to Sean about that. Just, uh, hey, let's just accidentally have on one of the guys he called the World Series with. Didn't have Joe Buck lined up this week, but hey, here's Sean McDonough. So that worked out uh, as well as one could accidentally plan it. And that is how we plan this show, by accident, on purpose, all the time. Uh, With that, we need this. We need picks. We need crazy picks. We need to know where I put the thing for the picks. Here they are. Could we have the money now? The answer is no. I'm afraid I must insist. I'm telling you, it's a lock. But it rained last night. Exactly. Restaurant that didn't serve any food and just served up gambling. This horse loves the slop. It's I thought gambling was illegal. <laughs> Not if no one sees you do it. Father was a mother. His mother was a mother. His mother was a mother. No, I think it still is. But not if no one knows about it. I didn't know you know how to play poker, Lois. Yeah. Well, how you doing? Yeah. That's good, honey. Guaranteed bets. The man is a gambler. Results not guaranteed. Pay that man his money. It's the man who sort of knows. All right, here's what the man who sort of knows thinks he knows this week. No football to think about. What do we do with our days now? The man who sort of knows also didn't pick college hockey this week. I've got to make sure everything's okay. But here's what the man who sort of knows thinks he knows this week. He is running the gamut. NBA All-Star Weekend is this weekend. And yes, you can bet on it. You can bet on it. The NBA Slam Dunk Contest. I don't know if you can bet on this one in New York. Because in New York, I don't think you're allowed to bet on things that are voted upon. But if you're somewhere, you can bet on the NBA Slam Dunk Contest. The man that sort of knows says, take a Hoya. Ooh. Ugh, that makes you itchy. Mac McClung. He's with the 76ers, kind of. He's in the G League. He doesn't even have a guaranteed NBA contract, but he's short. The other guys are tall. It's fun to pick the short guy in the slam dunk contest because anything they do just looks better because they got to jump up so high. Mac McClung, plus 240 to win the NBA slam dunk contest. Hold your nose and bet on a Hoya. The NBA three-point contest. You can probably bet on that, right? There's no... Judging in that, you know who's won it before? Buddy Heald. He's plus 425 to do it again. He won it in 2020, and he's one of those guys. He's not like a jump shooter. He he doesn't elevate much on his shot. That helps your legs in these contests. You don't get tired out. Buddy Heald to win the NBA three-point contest. And the rest of the men that sort of knows picks for the weekend. NASCAR is back. The man that sort of knows loves his left turns, and he loves his left turns at the highest speed possible. Plate racing, baby. Super Speedways, Daytona 500 is Sunday. Eric Jones, Corey LaJoy, Bubba Wallace. Know the names, top fives, top tens. He likes Eric Jones to finish top ten and top five. Top ten, 220, top five, 475. Distribute your funds accordingly. Eric Jones, who has gone eight of his last top ten races at Daytona in the top ten, is also driving a really sweet painted-up car this week that is sponsored by Guns N' Roses. It looks awesome. That's going to make him go faster. Corey LaJoy has even better odds, 450 to go top 10. Top 5, he's plus 1,200. He's gone top 10 in five of his last 10 at Daytona. That's not bad at a super speedway where about half the time you find yourself in the wall. Corey LaJoy, check him out for a top 10 and or a top 5. And the man that sort of knows picked to win the race, Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace to win plus 1,800. In three of his last five years at Daytona, he's come in second. Sometime during the year, be it in the summer or 
in the 500. And Bubba's a guy in a race like this. He's either going to wreck or he's going to be up front. And when you win, it doesn't matter if you're second or last. Ricky Bobby had it right. Bubba Wallace to win the 500. He's going to be sniffing around the league and the lead, and he knows super speedways. So in the slam dunk contest, Mac McClung to win. The NBA three-point contest, Buddy Heald. And at Daytona, keep your eyes on Eric Jones, Corey LaJoy, and Bubba Wallace. And that, my friends, is what the man who sort of knows, thinks he knows, this week. We'll see what Mario Sacco thinks he knows when we come back. Hour two of the 315. After this, and this hour, that was brought to you by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks and ICM Controls. Much more to come after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Uh, That it is. Update from the JMA Dome. There are lots of goals being scored. The first quarter is... I don't want to say it's over. There's 27 seconds left. And the rate of goals being scored in this game, that's a lot of seconds. Syracuse women's lacrosse, six. Maryland women's lacrosse, four. That's a lot of goals. Megan Tyrell, hashtag good at lacrosse. Yeah, I was right. Too much time. Uh, What did I say? There was 32 seconds left, 34 seconds. Now there's 22 seconds left. Maryland scored again. I didn't even finish the freaking sentence. It's six to five. My goodness. Megan Tyrell remains good at lacrosse. Uh, Syracuse has six goals. Megan has scored three of them and assisted on two of the other ones. She good. Does Syracuse have the best player in the country? They may actually have it. I was saying this during the break. For as much as we love Kayla Trainer and as great a player as she was, she was never actually the best player in the country. She was the second best player in the country. And like one of the greatest players ever, but she was the second best player in the country, like for most of her career to Taylor Cummings at Maryland, and that's why Syracuse couldn't beat Maryland back then. Because while Kayla was a stud, a Hall of Famer, whatever. She was great. The other team actually had the best player. The Orange might have the best player in the country this year in Megan Tyrell. Preseason she is, but like if she's legitimately the best, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year the Orange can win the national title. But our question now is not that. We will keep an eye on that, though. I, I've clicked off the tab of the stats. I'm going to click back, and it's going to be like 15 to 12, like three minutes from now. That game is wild in the early going. But right now, we need to get back into tomorrow's game at Duke. A game that you can listen to down the hall around the corner on TK99. That you can listen to pregame here at 5 o'clock tomorrow with Brent X. And postgame here, if here is QSportsTalk.com. Because postgame is on QSportsTalk.com exclusively tomorrow. Exclusively means only, people. Go to QSportsTalk.com the second the game is over. Game ends, go. Drop what you're doing. Accept your phone or wherever you're accessing it. Bring it up. Me, Devo, your calls, the chat, Bayheim's postgame press conference, live in living color, all that good stuff, postgame tomorrow. Will he be talking about a win? Will he be talking about a loss? Likely he'll be talking about it quickly. He's been making, like, lane speed records to the press conference room this year. Like in previous years, sometimes like half hours, just 45 minutes, like what? Just terrible things happening in that locker room. No, this year he's getting there quick. you got to get here now. Now, now, now. Or you're going to miss all the good fun. Anyway, we'll have all that for you live tomorrow. But a win or a loss? And how can the Orange get a win? We're going to find out right now. There's no wrong answers here. And this will lead us to Syracuse finding its way into the winner's circle tomorrow.
no wrong answers. Give me a boy's name that starts with the letter H. Jose. There are no wrong answers. What months of pregnancy does a woman begin to look pregnant? September. No wrong answers. Something a burglar would not want to see when he breaks into a house. Huh? I'm like an animal. Keep your voice down. I'm like King Kong. No wrong answers here. Here is what is going to happen in the Syracuse Duke game tomorrow. Mario alluded to the stat earlier about if Syracuse gets to 70 or it gets to 75. Since the calendar is flipped to 2023, Syracuse is 7 and 2 when they score 70. They're 0 and 3. When they don't, 7-2 when scoring 70, 0-3 oh when they don't. I told you that number with one less win on it earlier this week. We're riding with it again. If Syracuse scores 70 tomorrow, they will win the game. It's a fact. Write it down. Duke is the top rebounding team in the ACC. That is potentially problematic. Earlier in the year, Syracuse was not good at rebounding. We're talking ACC-only games now. ACC-only games. I like to look at that because we're deep enough in the year. It's a it's a very large sample size. Everybody's played basically 15 league games at this point. Duke, number one, and that's against all similar reasonable competition. Duke is plus 5.6 rebounds a game in ACC games, number one in the league in rebounding margin. The Orange are not last, but they're not great. They're minus 1.1 rebounds per game. So the difference between the two is a little bit more than six and a half rebounds a game. Let's split the difference. Let's say the Orange keep up. If the Orange can be within three rebounds of Duke, tomorrow I say they win. If they're within three rebounds of Duke, just don't get killed on the glass, I say they win. Like, Duke has a lot of size. Filipowski's big. They got other dudes. They got big dudes. They got young, big dudes. That's what they got. That's what the team is. They're young and they're big. But if Syracuse can stay with them on the glass, they win the game. I'm not saying they got to win the rebounding battle. If they're within three, I say they win. It may not need to be that close. But I say they're within three, they win the game tomorrow. Three-point shooting. We brought this up in a big way on Tuesday night in regards to NC State, and it played out almost exactly that way. I said NC State would shoot his most threes of the year, and they did. And their main guys hit at rates below what they normally do against the orange zone. The Orange three-point zone is not what it was a decade ago when it was just ungodly good at points. But it is vastly improved from earlier in the year. Teams, though, are still shooting a ton of threes against the Orange. They're just not making as much as they were back earlier in the season. Duke is interesting. We think of Duke for the last 20 or 30 years now as a three-point shooting outfit. Jason Williams. Shane Batty. J.J. Reddick, on and on and on and on and on. Just a never-ending list of guys. Chris Duhon pulling up from the outside, Grayson Allen. We could go on and on and on. Just tons of three-point shooters. And the main way Duke has played a lot over that time is a four-out, one-in offense. One big guy inside, and the other four guys are generally available in some context, to shoot a three. That is not what Duke is doing this season. They're playing more two guys in and three out. A little more old school. It's just the way the roster is constructed this season. So I'm not looking at the volume of threes that Duke is going to take and or make tomorrow. That is not the number that has stood out. 
Duke is 12th in ACC games in three-point percentage. They're making about a third of their threes, a little bit north of 33%, 33 33.4. Their volume has not been high all season. They only have three games all year that they've made double figures in threes. We're not looking at the volume. In their losses, though, six of their losses this year, six of their nine worst three-point percentage shooting days this year have been losses. Six of their nine worst three-point percent three-point shooting days have been losses. If you look above that, they've won almost all the games. If you look down there, that's most of their losses. So, if the Orange can hold Duke to 33% or less from the outside tomorrow, Syracuse will win. Not in volume. That could be if Duke shoots none and they're one of three, basically. I'm telling you the Orange will win. One of three, 11 of 33. I'm telling you the Orange will win. 12 of 33, the Orange will lose. If Syracuse holds Duke to less than 33%, Shooting the three tomorrow, the Orange will win. And this final one goes without saying. If Jesse Edwards, the highest percentage three-point shooter in the history of Syracuse basketball, and in fact in the history of basketball at large, at any level, Jesse Edwards, if he hits another three, there's no way Syracuse loses. The Orange are undefeated all time when Jesse Edwards hits a three as he did the other night. He's never missed. Fire away, Jesse. Fire away. Let it fly from the outside. That is no wrong answer to how Syracuse is going to win the game tomorrow against Duke. It's going to be a little different game, I think, than NC State because of the volume. Like, I, I knew going in. I think Syracuse knew going in on Tuesday night. And NC State had the players that could have gone the other way. The Wolfpack were going to take the zone and shoot a crap ton of threes. And they missed some difficult ones, and they missed some easier ones. And it played right into what the Orange were hoping. Now, will Duke fall into the trap? Will they shoot more threes? The untold part of that, like the odds are if Duke shoots more threes, their percentage will drop just because they're not a great three-point shooting team. Unusual for Duke, I know. So we'll see. It's like Duke in the zone, can it can do that to you. You can forget to do what you're supposed to do. Like we wanted to get the ball inside. We forgot. We shot a lot of threes. That happens. Now, you get a game where they accidentally go in, then yeah, Syracuse is going to lose. But I, I think is all. I think a lot of this game tomorrow is on how Duke plays, or AKA how Syracuse defense plays. However you want to be, I think Syracuse is going to, you know, they're going to do what they do on offense. Like I think Jesse's going to be fine. I think Joe's going to get his. I think Jude is going to get his. I think that's just what it is right now. I, I'd be stunned to see just a clunker of a game from either of those three uh, tomorrow. That that doesn't stand out. In a way that would make sense. So we'll see. I think the orange offense, and you get to 70, you're good. Now, Duke's defense, they're keeping people right around there. Like those numbers, Syracuse's offense, Duke's defense, they're kind of right around the same mark. So we figure this game is going to be trending to high 60s, low 70s, however it goes. It's going to behoove the orange to. Get the pace in a way they can get it into the 70s. That game favors Syracuse, I think. Uh, what I've noticed this year about pace, though, it feels like even though the Orange play better at a slightly higher pace, they seem to play at a higher pace more when that's what the other team does. So can the Orange dictate it themselves a little bit tomorrow to crank the pace? Usually, pace against Duke is not hard to find. This year, Duke's pace is definitely slower than it has been in recent memory, and that's because they're not coming down in quick trigger and threes and stuff like that. So we'll see. 
We will see. Looking forward to it, though. Tomorrow in the Dome, 6 o'clock, tip time, Axe pregame 5, 8 o'clock-ish, wherever the game's over. Postgame show brought to you by Burdick Lexus and Burdick BMW. We'll have it for you. QSportsTalk.com exclusively tomorrow. We'll do the whole thing. Behind press conference, me, Devendorf, calls, chat, we'll do it up. With that, we'll take our final break. We'll put our final wraps on the week, tell you what's on tap uh, for the night and the weekend when we come back after this. So just use sportstalk.com and ESPN Radio.